Welcome to the Barbecue Roundup, a weekly program that supplements the Barbecue Central Show, which can be heard live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on thebbqcentralshow.com. I'm Greg Rempe, and this is episode number one for February 25th, 2016. Coming up in a few minutes. We couldn't get any respect here on the West Coast for barbecues. No one would ever say that the West Coast was part of the national competition family. However, what Sterling Ball goes to the American Royal and wins. And people start taking note, ooh, West Coast is something you reckon with. That was pitmaster of Lady of Q, Sylvie Curry, talking about how she got into barbecue originally and also recapping her latest victory at the guinea pig in Indio, California this past weekend. We'll hear more from Sylvie a little bit later in the program in the first installment of the Barbecue Roundup Spotlight segment. We'll go over this past weekend's competition results through the various sanctioning bodies, give you a look ahead at some upcoming events, and answer some listener email in the mail call segment. All this and more on this edition of the Barbecue Roundup. So before we get into this week's news, I want to give a little background on why we're actually doing this show, and I'll keep it short and sweet. Simply put, the live show, the Barbecue Central show, which is now in its eighth year of live broadcasting, in my best efforts to try and cover the industry as a blanket, sometimes I traditionally get pigeonholed into being a competition show. And while that's certainly great, and competition provides an endless amount of new material for me to go over and cover each and every week, I want to make sure that I am also covering a lot of different sectors of the industry. This program, while pre-recorded, will allow me to, over the course of a week, do interviews with companies, cooks, cookbook authors, accessory makers, pretty much anybody that has their fingers in the industry, and go a little bit more in-depth with them or have shorter interview segments with them, but to kind of get get a more well-rounded view of where the industry is each and every week. The Barbecue Roundup is going to be released each Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time. As always, if you have any questions, if you have a point of view, if you have a take on something that you would like to give to me to be read and reacted to on the Barbecue Roundup, please email me at greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. And I look forward to your emails. If you have a suggestion on somebody or something you would like to hear a little bit more in depth about, you can also email me those ideas as well at the same email address. And now let's get to this week's news. While not incredibly new news, February 10th, 2016 saw iDevices, the preeminent brand in the connected home industry, announcing that it has entered into a definitive agreement to sell the world's number one app-enabled grilling and cooking thermometer brands, namely iGrill and Kitchen Thermometer, to Weber Stevens Product, LLC. Weber, the world's largest manufacturer of outdoor grills and grilling accessories, will continue to offer and grow the line of connected cooking products. The line today includes four app-enabled Bluetooth smart thermometers, including iGrill 2, iGrill Mini, Kitchen Thermometer, and kitchen thermometer mini, as well as several accessory probes. The terms of the agreement are private. iDevices will partner with Weber to release the next generation of Grill App, which is expected to be available in the spring of 2016. Until then, iGrill and kitchen thermometer users will be able to continue using their products through the iDevices Connected app. 
We are extremely excited to welcome the iGrill and Kitchen Thermometer product lines into the Weber family. Said Tom Coos, Chief Executive Officer of Weber Steven Products, LLC. Weber is a lifestyle brand, and we believe that by increasing the interactive nature of our products, we enhance the already amazing experience by grilling on a Weber. This is just our newest chapter in innovation, advancing us further into the way people integrate technology into their lives. Tragic news coming out of Liberty County, Texas. A four-year-old boy is dead after a heavy steel barbecue pit accidentally fell on him at his home this past Tuesday in Liberty County. The Liberty County Sheriff's Office says Brian Jera accidentally pulled it onto himself. The accident happened around 2 p.m. at his home. An officer tried reviving the boy using CPR, but he died at the San Joaquinto Methodist Hospital in Baytown. His mother tells LCSO that she was in the house doing chores while her son played in the backyard. Then, she says, she heard a thud sound and rushed out to find her son pinned under the pit. Law enforcement says he appeared to have been climbing on the pit when it fell over onto him. LCSO says the investigation is ongoing as the mother is distraught, but added that this appears to be a tragic accident. There is an autopsy scheduled in this case. If you're a dedicated backyard pitmaster or on the competition circuit, you're undoubtedly familiar with the process of wrapping your ribs and pork. The folks over at Victory Lane Barbecue have decided to simplify this process and have developed the Butter Bath and Wrap product, which is now for sale at VictoryLaneBBQ.com. Credited developer Heath Riles has made this product, which basically just mixes with apple juice or water to get the flavor profile that you desire. This, of course, takes the place of adding your own brown sugar, your own honey, your own butter, and a number of other items that might go into the wrapping process. He has seen a lot of success, plus getting grand championships on the competition circuit as well. What do you do when your country music superstar, Lyle Lovett, looking for barbecue? Well, according to Jonathan Grass at Alabama.com, you head on over to Saw's Barbecue to get your barbecue fix. Country music star Lyle Lovett and Vince Gill's Songs and Stories Tour is taking them through some of Alabama's major city this week, and it kicked off with a Tuesday night show in Montgomery. While en route, Lovett made a pit stop at the Homewood Restaurant, the results of which ended up on social media courtesy of the star himself. Two customers, Brian and Brad Simmons, did ask to meet the star. The photo ended up on Lovett's Facebook and Instagram pages. As for his thoughts on Saws, Lovett wrote, The barbecue at Saws was excellent. Southern-style barbecue, chicken with white sauce, and pork no beef. Sides were also country-style. I had collard greens and cornbread with my coleslaw and sampler plate. The service was fast and friendly, and I hope to go back Friday when we play in Birmingham. Dickey's Barbecue Pit expands loyalty program. Dickey has partnered with SpendGo and Tech in a Box to create a data-driven loyalty point system for Big Yellow Cup Club. This according to a report from PR Newswire on February 19th. Dickey's Barbecue Pit began the rollout of its new and improved loyalty program earlier this year, which will add loyalty points to the existing program Big Yellow Cup Club. Big Yellow Cup Club is now partnering with SpendGo, a loyalty customer engagement solution provider, to allow guests to receive more personalized and geo-targeted specials. Members earn points that can be redeemed for Dickey's Barbecue from Big Yellow Cups to family packs. Prior to the rollout of SpendGo, Big Yellow Cup Club was a source of coupons and discounts for Dickey's guests, but did not have the extended capability for personalized and targeted marketing efforts. SpendGo goes beyond a traditional point system by integrating member preferences, Big Yellow Cup Club, and online ordering to offer points for targeted offers. Dickies now sees which offers are being redeemed by members and adapts accordingly to give guests what they want at their hometown locations.
Big Yellow Cup Club, along with Spengo, has grown nearly 20% through text and email offers since the program began in September 2014. Leveraging line term, the customer data in real time is cornerstone of the updated program. The goal is to create personalized campaigns that drive sales and new guests. And a quote, we are proud to introduce these targeted marketing efforts system-wide. That being said by Roland Dickey Jr., CEO of Dickey's Barbecue Restaurants, Inc., Using the data from our loyalty programs, Dickey is now able to offer great deals on items that guests are most interested in nationwide. Our integration with Dickey's is a great example of a smart food service company that understands how to maximize growth, opportunity, and provide top-level services to their customers, said Ivan Matafik, founder and CEO of Spengo. We applaud their efforts and are looking forward to a long and very successful relationship. Attention fans of Kingsford Competition Briquettes. The product isn't going anywhere, but the name is certainly changing, according to a press release, which I received personally from Kingsford. They are doing away with Competition Briquette's name and instead going with Professional Briquettes. If you enjoy the flavor, the burn time, everything associated with a Competition Briquette, it stays the same with a Professional Briquette, just a new name brand. I put in a request to Kingsford to get some further information and we'll update in a future barbecue roundup. That'll do it for this week's news. Now let's head on over to the results of competitions that took place this past weekend. These contest results are for the weekend of February 19th and 20th, 2016. And we start in the Texas region of the country. The International Barbecue Cookers Association, or IBCA, had four cook-offs with three reporting. The Victoria Livestock Show in Victoria, Texas, 74 teams winning that one. Cherokee Cookers, Buna Chamber of Commerce in Buna, Texas, if I'm saying that right, winning that one, UCI. Eastmark at the Great Park Barbecue Bash in Mesa, Arizona. This was an Arizona State Championship. Winning that one was Darren Worth of Iowa Smokey D's barbecue fame. Texas Gulf Coast and Lone Star Barbecue Society did not have any contests this past weekend. Moving to the southeast portion of the country and the Florida Barbecue Association, one contest happening this past weekend, Battle at the Big O in Okeechobee, Florida, winning that one, Matt Barber of Hot Wachulas. And we finish the contest results portion of the segment by hitting up the KCBS, or the Kansas City Barbecue Society, the Queen Creek Barbecue Battle in Queen Creek, Arizona. Winning it, Burnin and Luton with a 690.8. The ninth annual Smokin' Hot Barbecue in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Winning that one, Shiggin' and Grinnin' with a 676 flat. And finally, the Guinea Pig in Indio, California. Winning that one, Lady of Q, who we will hear from a little bit later on in the show in the Spotlight segment, with a 701.1. I caught up with the creator of the Guinea Pig, Sterling Ball, and asked him to explain why he thought the guinea pig was an important contest to unveil. I just noticed the barbecue was, A, getting, it was getting just way too expensive with the different meats, the different trailers, the different campers. I noticed that there were fewer and fewer kids' cues, dessert contests, all of that. And, and I wanted to do a contest that was cost-controlled with an expanded payout, one that paid 10 deep. And after the first two years, 60% of the teams cashed a check, and 20% of the teams broke even or made money. And it's it's just a really neat event in Indio, California, at the Shadow Hills RV Park, which they give us for the whole weekend. So it's 48 teams. This year, it's meat provided. We got Snake River Farms, Wagyu briskets, 
We got Smithfield butts and ribs, and we used uh, secret chicken, because I can't tell you what it is, because they won't give me any free chicken. Okay, it was Foster Farms. And uh, the, 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 the meat is put in a box and got a number on it, and then randomly a ping pong ball comes out, you know, when we call a team's name, and that's the meat they get. There's one rule to start, no whining. I asked Sterling about the number of teams, and in this answer he explains why 48 makes sense. I like 48 teams because it's even tables. Okay, To me, a perfect contest like King of the Smokers, as far as number of teams, is 24. And I think all the sanctioning bodies should go by that too because that means that everybody, if the rep does it right, we have the best reps, I think, in the business in Kelly and Kathleen McIntosh. And we had Julie Poe and Ian Seward backing up. Out of 24, everybody's on the same table once. But the 48, 48 is a good number. Seeing this contest grow now in its third year, I asked Sterling if his expectations are being met or exceeded now three years in. Absolutely. Everything I had hoped for came through this year. It's always been great, always been worthwhile, but now I really have a feeling that this has legs. There needs to be several more of them. The, the kind of people that want to do them with me are pretty interesting. I mean, Tuffy Stone, Jeff Staney from a competing barbecue store, Tim Shear. Gateway, Darren Worth wants to do one in um, Des Moines, and Randall Bowman wants to do one in Georgia and maybe Nashville. So those are good, strong people that see the benefit of returning families. And actually, next year, I'm going to have a trifecta. I'm going to have a little $500 bonus where the combined score of overall dessert and kids will get a $500 bonus to try and encourage even more people to do it. Sterling also shared his thoughts on how this specific event went down. First of all, the meat uh, selection via ping pong ball, just like the smokers, is kind of fun. I mean, everybody, uh, the, the contents of the boxes are on the side of our mobile man cave, our refrigerator truck, big Papa smokers. Uh, so people kind of have an idea of what's in each box. It's very public, but it's really fun watching people do it and then watching people tear into their meat. I think everybody really rises the challenge. You know, I sort of work a macho angle to it, and especially worked with our winner. Every single team there believes they can beat the one next to them. And the macho angle worked with, with Sylvie, West Coast offense team, Lady of Q. Sylvie has really been cooking well lately, and she basically gave everybody a pretty strong butt kicking. California this time of year, always known for great weather. I asked Sterling, from a high-level sense, was there anything out of the ordinary that you had to contend with weather, things of this nature? It was the Internet dial-a-day where you, if you wanted to order a day, it was 85 degrees. Both days, about 55 at night. It was just perfect weather. The meat was great. And I'm going to tell you something. We had an unbelievable field. I think there was 22 of the 48 teams with recent GCs. We had the American Royal Champion in Girls Gone Wild, Iowa. We had Pigskin, his, their son, Scott and Katie Nelson, who won the Jack and the Jack All-Star deal, the former rib team of the year. We had getting based at a top 10 team. There was the chicken team of the year. We had Shake and Bake, who did very well, and they're the number one rib team. And, of course, the number one pork team was cooking hot dogs. But we had, we had a great feel. We had all the last five years of California teams of the year. And we had judges that only cook once. And some few other people like uh, Stagecoach Barbecue that cooks one contest here, the guinea pig. It's really interesting. And I believe that everybody went away saying, 
I'd like to do another one of those like soon. Now, the first two years of this contest, the teams that were taking part were not eligible for team of the year points because meat was being provided and it didn't fall under the KCBS directive on how contests were going to be run when points were being awarded. However, there was a rumor that KCBS was going to be giving points to the teams that took place in the guinea pig this past weekend, and I asked Sterling to confirm that. Yeah, and it would took a, it took a lot, and we got it finally on Saturday. If I didn't get it, I was going to change sanction bodies because I just didn't think it was fair that the teams weren't getting the benefit of TV of the Year points, but more importantly, Jack Fong and Royal Draw, when it's essentially a harder contest. They had a problem because I didn't really fit their existing rules because I supplied the meat. But the funny part is KCBS, when it started, they provided the meat. So I think everybody realized that there were enough people that wrote letters, and Mike Peters really went to bat for us, and Candy Sue voted on it. So I think it, I, I really appreciate the board finally doing it, and I appreciate them doing it for the teams. And so I've, I got team into your points for a year for any of them I do, and then they'll revisit it, and I probably just shot myself in the foot telling the truth to you. Those are your past week's competition results. Now let's go ahead and take a look at what's coming up this weekend on the calendar of events. In the competition world for February 25th and 26th, the Kansas City Barbecue Society has two events coming up, the Shotgun Fred Barbecue Showdown in Huntsville, Texas, and the first installment of the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour in Daffin, Alabama. In the Florida Barbecue Association, Ribs on the Ridge in Haynes City, Florida is set to take place. In Texas, the Houston Livestock and Rodeo will come off this weekend as well. If you've been looking to take some barbecue cooking classes, here are some ones that are coming up sooner than later. Mike and Debbie Davis of Lotta Bull Barbecue are hosting a class February 26th and 27th in Springfield, Missouri. You can visit their website, LottaBullBBQ.com, for more information. The Hot and Fast Gateway Drum Smoker class in Kansas City is taking place February 27th. You can visit GatewayDrumSmokers.com for further information on that particular one. The West Texas Pitmasters Cooking class is taking place February 26th through February 27th. Visit WestTexasPitmastersBBQ.com or call 806-292-1078. Current KCBS Team of the Year, Clark Crew Barbecue, is bringing their cooking school to you April 29th and 30th in Yukon, Oklahoma. Go to ClarkCrewBBQ.com to register. You can also call 620-290-4133. Bill Gillespie of Smoke and Hogs Barbecue is giving one May 26th through the 27th in Rochester, New York. You can go to Smokin' Hogs, that's H-O-G-G-Z, BBQ.com to sign up. Also in May 21st and 22nd is the Sweet Smoke Q School. You can go to Jim Elser's website, SweetSmokeQ.com, for more information or to sign up. Rob Bagby of Swamp Boys is also hosting a school March 12th through the 13th. You can visit Swamp Boys, B-O-I-S, SwampBoys.com, and check out their Q School for more information. Eric Burkhardt is giving a class March 5th and 6th in Columbia, Missouri. The Hillbilly Offense and Ozark Barbecue Mafia Competition Barbecue Cooking Class. You can visit HunzikaSmokers.com, that's H-U-N-S-A-K-E-R-S-M-O-K-E-R-S, HunzikaSmokers.com for further info, or you can call Eric 
at 573-291-0259. That concludes the upcoming calendar of events. Let's head over to the mail call segment. Now, since this is the very first episode, I actually don't have anything in the mail call segment, but this is a portion of the show where if you have a question or you have a take on something barbecue and grilling related or you would like my opinion on a product, if there is anything to do with outdoor live fire cooking here, comments about the show, whatever, send them to me, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, and we will answer them right here in this segment each and every week. Welcome to our first Barbecue Roundup Spotlight segment. Again, this is going to be reserved for a little bit longer conversation, and it will be with somebody that is within the industry, whether it be a competitor, a pit maker, a grill manufacturer, accessories, sauces, cookbook authors, you name it. We'll take some time and really get into what makes this person tick, whatever the portion of the industry they are in or I am covering. This installment brings us a conversation with a pit master who has been competing for about 10 years now. She's a West Coast team, has really seen a lot of success as of late to include winning the guinea pig just this past weekend in Indio, California. So let's shine the spotlight on Sylvie Curry, pit master of Lady of Q. Sit back and enjoy. I started in barbecue God, almost 10 years ago now. Neil Big Mr. Stroud is the one who brought me in. He sent me an email one day 10 years ago and said, do you want to be on a barbecue team? And I said, what the heck? Why not? And that's where it all began. Had you had some type of background in barbecue to where Neil said, hey, do you want to come join a team? Or like, where does that uh, friendship happen? Primarily because I had a food blog. And I, I do a lot of cooking, so I, and I love to grill. So at that point in time, it was more just doing backyard grilling. I wasn't doing any smoking. And I think I posted a picture of something like ribs or something on my, on my blog, and he saw it and says, oh, there's somebody in L.A. who's interested in barbecue. That's where it began. I had no idea at that time how involved it was, but I said I was willing to do it. When you look at it, 10 years ago, as you hearken back on those days, and how do you assess where you started and, and where you're at today? Did you see yourself being a, you know, a one- or two-person team 10 years ago? Not at all. I mean, and when we first started, the only thing I knew how to cook was ribs and pork butt. I had no idea how to cook a brisket, and barbecue chicken was something that I thought was grilled chicken. Um, had no difference. There was you know, a difference in smoking chickens and how to do that. And so it was a progression where it developed. As far as going by myself, I didn't do that until 2012. And it took a lot of prompting from people who said, well, you can do this. And I said, okay, well, I'll try. And it worked. Did you have a comfort level being within another team's structure to not feel comfortable enough to go out and, and start your own team or what? Uh, I think it was more... Am I organized to do all four meats? Because with a team, you have maybe one doing chicken, one doing brisket, another one doing the pork. And at that time, it was like, well, now I've got to do all four, which means then I have to have my timing right to do all of them and my processes. And it's like I hadn't developed that yet until I decided I want to go on my own. Is it just a matter of practice? If you go from a team that has three or four individuals to 
you and maybe a spouse or you know somebody else that's in barbecue. So let's say at the worst of times, it's one. At the best of times, maybe it's two. That's at least double the amount of work than you would have on a team that has three or four people doing individual categories. How do you ramp up and prepare yourself to take on that workload? I, I just say you just do it. You have to be organized. I develop all my timeline from what I had to purchase a week before to what I had to do Wednesday before, the Thursday before, even from the time I have to get up in the morning Friday to drive there and every step of the process all along. And you stick to that timeline. And you get to that timeline by doing practices at home and going through and just saying, okay, I'm going to act like I'm at a competition. How am I going to make this work? And I did a lot of those practices in the beginning. Ten years ago, Sylvie, people were thinking, if I want to get into this, I got to use what I have. And you look at it today, and I feel like with the people that I'm interviewing week in, week out, that now there's an expectation that has been set that you have to have this kind of cooker or you have to buy these kind of meats or use these kinds of rubs and sauces and injections in order to be competitive. Is that a bad assumption to make for teams that are looking to get in? Do they need to run with the Joneses or is it still like it was where you don't need all that stuff? There's other things that you need to concern yourself with first before you really worry about the high level stuff. I think you have to separate what you need from what you want. And the way it was before, I purchased a WSM because I didn't have one in the beginning, but that's all I cooked on. And it wasn't until maybe three or four years ago that I upgraded. There are a lot of competitors out there now who still cook just on WSM and don't have all the jambos and the backwoods and the Humphreys and all that. I think you work up to that, you know, when you get a comfort level and you say, okay, I'm committed to doing competition barbecue and this is what I want. But I think all you need is one or two WSMs, some charcoal, and it can be any brand starting out, and, you know, your rubs and your sauces. Now, to be competitive today, I think that you have to have your flavor profile developed to a higher level than what it was 10 years ago. I think 10 years ago, we were still blending our own sauces and our own rub, but now you don't have to do that. It's consistent to go out and just get something that is pre-done and I always back the Big Papa Smokers and the Simply Marvelous rubs because they're consistent and they're very good rubs. Sylvie, let me ask you, and I've always mentioned this on the Tuesday show, 10 years ago people were blending their own rubs or, or making their own rubs and sauces to bring the competitions, and, and that's kind of gone by the wayside by and large. Uh, there's still some teams that do that, but the majority do not. Do you think that that has hurt the continued creativity of the flavor profile aspect of the sport now that most teams are using a kind of a similar flavor profile instead of doing it at home somebody's going to make a tweak here somebody's going to make a tweak there just because we're people we're individuals and now that you're kind of taking that away or or that the sport has kind of went away from that, maybe the um, evolution of the flavor profile has become stagnant to a degree. Not really, because I think even if you look at some of the major rubs that are available out there and you bl- you blend those. So it's not like I'm going to take sweet money and use that by itself. I'm going to blend it with something else. And so each competitor is then using different things and everything's not going to be exact. It's going to be a little of this and a little of that, and somebody else is going to have more of this and more of that. So I think there's still room for creativity. And the same with sauces. Uh, you don't go out and just buy a bottle of sauce and say, I'm just going to use that one sauce. You start blending. So you may take something like the blues hog and blend it with something like fine swine, but your proportions are going to be different. So you still have room for creativity. So 
as far as limiting creativity, and I think it's still there. And uh, flavor profiles are changing, so you have to be able to adapt to that too. So you're going to have to be creative in finding, okay, what's even better than what was used before. Ten years ago, barbecue wasn't nearly as prevalent or as popular in the West Coast as it is today, which now it is grown in size tremendously. You can see how popular it has become, not only just you know within the state, but definitely in that region of the country. Are you surprised to have seen it grow in the way it has out there? When we first started in 2006, I think there were no more than about three or four contests here in Southern California, and most of those were IBCA, maybe one KCBS contest. And then in time, and I think it came with the Pit Master Series and things like that, promoters got more into, okay, there's a need and a want desire to do the same thing. And so it grew from there. We couldn't get any respect here on the West Coast for barbecues. No one would ever say that the West Coast was part of the national competition family. However, what Sterling Ball goes to the American Royal and wins. And people start taking note, ooh, West Coast is something you reckon with. So I think that it's changed and it's grown. Over the past five or six years, We've grown to have at least 10 to 14 contests a year just in this area. So it's grown quite a bit. Are you a team that would like to chase a a team of the year category win or a complete overall team of the year? Or do you just plan out your allotted number of competitions that make sense to you and and that's where you're going to run? Usually I just do the number that makes sense to me. And so the only contest that I usually go out of state to do is in North Carolina, the Jiggy with the Piggy, which is sometime in May. Uh, And I do that only because the city it's done in is where my husband's from. But other than that, all the contests I'm going to be doing are going to be in Southern California just because of driving distance. I'd like to try to hit at least 12 to 15 contests a year here in the Southern California area. Every once in a while, there's something in Laughlin or in Las Vegas, and I may try to hit up on those. I'm not chasing KCBS Team of the Year points. That's not in my plan. And even the CBDQA or the California Barbecue Association, they have a Team of the Year. I don't really chase that. And if I make the points and I get the numbers five, but I'm not competing to be the number one. Simply this past weekend, there was a contest called the Guinea Pig, which is a cost-controlled contest. It's now in its third year. It was thought of as a competition for people that were beginners or people that were a a little green to the competition scene. Fast forward three years, you know, this year you had teams of the years and and events. You had, you know, a a large percentage of uh, high-level competition teams coming out to Indio, California to take part. Of course, uh, you were the one that walked away with the grand championship. What did you think of the contest this year compared to the other ones you've been to? And uh, we can kind of build in from there. You're right. The first year we did it, It wasn't all just new teams, but it was an incentive for new teams to come out and compete. For those people who couldn't afford to pay the price for a regular competition and get big meets and things like that. And like you said, over time it evolved. Last year, it was pretty competitive, but mostly with uh, teams who live close by uh, in the area of the region. This year, like you said, there were people who are teams who were American Royal winners, who were Jack Daniel winners, and uh, in the top 25 um, KCBS, a lot of big Papa Smoker elite teams. And so it was pretty competitive. And in addition, there was one team there, this was their first time competing. So we had sort of like an array of a level of experience. 
which was nice. I think that the the whole concept for the guinea pig being an affordable contest makes you relax and you feel like, okay, it's an even playing field. Everybody has the same type of needs from the same, same source. And we get out here and we do it. The Big Papa Smoker team made everything comfortable for everybody. So for a new competitor, they didn't have to worry about anything. And for people who are experienced, we were there just to compete and to enjoy. How, how did you rate your cook overall? Sometimes uh, the pitmaster's eyes and the judge's eyes aren't really seeing the same kind of thing. So I wonder if you thought you had a grand champion style cook. Well, in the beginning, I entered this contest knowing that the competition level was fierce. And so I said, all I can do is cook my best. I'm not going to say that I'm going to get the GC. I'm not going to say I want to be this top five. I'm just going to cook my best. The cook went very well. It wasn't the greatest cook that I've ever had, but the cook went very well. And I think somebody asked me afterwards, how did I do? And I said, well, I didn't mess up anything. I said, but with this level of competition here, you never know. And like you said, with the difference in judging being a factor and what table you hit and all those things, it's a matter of, I cook my best. And so let's see where things land. As you were getting announced for your individual meat categories, I believe pork was your lowest scoring one. The other three, I mean, you were either winning or you were right up there at the top. Uh, Were you surprised that you were the one that was kind of, you know, right there at the top? Or do you have to have a mindset uh, at this point, especially going up against uh, the level of competition that you were at, that uh, you have just as much right as winning as anybody else does. Right, and that's the way I looked at it. I, I cooked my best. My chicken was very good. Now, does it compare to, I think, what is it, getting basted as the number one team in right. KCBS and chicken? Yep. And he was there. So it's like, well, you know, how does it compare to that? And it's like, well, we'll just have to see. So I just cooked my best. Number one, I was first place chicken. The same went for ribs. I just cooked my best. And I shake and bake. And I beat them. So it's like, okay, I just cooked my best. And that's no more I could say. I mean, with a, going head to head, if we did it another time, another day, or whatever it is, things could change because I think that, you know, the other variables, like you said, the judges, the tables you land on, and things like that change. So when you hear a lady of Q being called as overall grand champion, what kind of emotions are uh, washing over you as you're realizing you're uh, going to leave tops? You know, I couldn't believe it, I guess, was the, the first thing. Because, you know, after they called the, the third place, the people started looking at me. Then they called the second place, and everybody said, Sylvie, or Lady of Q, or whatever. And it's like, well, I didn't get a call in pork, so I may have been 47th in pork, and that knocked me out of something or whatever. So I didn't know. And someone sitting next to me said, it's you, it's you. I said, I haven't heard my name called yet. And then finally Sterling called it. It's like I could just, you know, just emotions just overtook me. And I was just, I was the happiest person in the world, I guess you'd say. I could have won the American Royal, the Jack Daniels. That's the same feeling I had. It was just fantastic. Is uh, Lady of Q sponsored by anybody? Yes. I'm sponsored by Simply Marvelous and Big Papa Smokers, West Coast Offer. Does that play a role in my winning? I think it does because they're very good rubs and play together. And the way that I use them, it showed this weekend. One other sponsor, I have Grizzly Coolers. So I have those three. And my husband, love my hubby. What's his name? Greg, just like you. Hey, he must be a handsome <laughs> dude. Uh, Sylvie, where are you, uh, where are you guys going to be competing at next? Uh, my next competition is at Santa Anita Racetrack in April. 
Well, uh, continued success. Uh, hopefully you're able to string two in a row, and I really appreciate you being on the debut episode of Barbecue Roundup in the Spotlight. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Pitmaster of Lady of Q, Sylvie Curry, for joining me in the Spotlight segment. Once again, this show will be released every Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to tune in to the live Barbecue Central show, which airs each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on thebbqcentralshow.com. For the audio, you can also get the video feed at outdoorcookingchannel.com. For updates on the show during the week, you can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash greg.rempe. You can also follow me on Twitter at BBQ Central Show. The same handle on Instagram at BBQ Central Show. Or you can get me on Snapchat, Greg Rempe, one word, G-R-E-G-R-E-M-P-E. That's going to do it for the debut episode of the Barbecue Roundup. Until next Thursday at noon, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Thanks for listening.